Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, welcome to another edition of the Standard Room only podcast yes i am your host ben standig and i cover the washington commanders for the athletic which means today's the day i get to find out where i'm going to travel for uh four to five months uh uh, during the season of course the nfl releases their schedule today we're going to discuss that break that down a little bit here with our pal matt paris from the washington times um we'll get to matt in a sec but i gave matt a a quick project here he's got to give us one word to describe his first impression of the schedule. Matt, that word is? Daunting. I I think daunting is a word I used in the story I wrote. That's a good one. All right, we'll get to that in a sec. In addition, there's a lot going on in this episode. Um, One, I spoke with uh, Commander's uh, six-round pick, uh, Chris Rodriguez. So just we have a chance to to catch up with him, how he's feeling coming into, obviously – uh, a really exciting time for him coming into this team, how he fits in with the offense, uh, and a little bit about who who he is. Um, in addition, because there was some news this week in the ownership uh, situation, I thought I would get my colleague at The Athletic, Dan Kaplan, to give us his insight into what is going on as well. So a lot to get to here on the podcast, which, of course, you can subscribe to on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. Also, make sure to check out The Athletic. The website itself, if you have not yet subscribed, definitely encourage you to do so. I think we're still running a $1.99 a month deal or it's a low price for the whole year. I can't even keep track. We always have some sort of deal. So go check that out. And of course, we'll have a lot of coverage. Uh, Rookie minicamp starts on Friday. So we will uh, talk about that on the site as well. Um, All right. So let's just jump into here to the schedule. Of course, uh, you can find Matt at the Washington Times and on Twitter at Matthew underscore Paris. I am at Ben Standig. Um, all right. Well, Matt, look, the, the schedule, if nothing else, is is fun. It, it's, you know, it's not a negative. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll find things to, if I were, if we were the commander, it's probably to be a little bit uh, weirded out by or, not, or whatever. But it's a schedule. We now have an order. Um, and, you know, we are, we're, we're going to, share share that with the with with the world here in a bit and share our insights right now I, you mentioned the word daunting i mean we already knew of course we know who the opponents were right that's not a that's not the new part and i think i saw at least one of the strength of schedule lists out there that said washington had the eighth toughest schedule this year as we know these things are you know, can full fluctuate of course over the course of the year because of injuries or or, or teams going up or down, worse, better or worse than people thought. But we knew it would be tougher in that regard. The real question is, how does the order of it shake out? What? Wh- so you mentioned daunting. I guess what part for you is the daunting? Is it just the opponents, or is there something about the actual order that's uh, 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 frustrating or daunting? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the uh, the order. It's specifically after week six, uh, you're starting with the New York Giants in that six week span. You have four NFC East opponents or NFC East games. And then you also have cross country flights from New England to Seattle or yeah, New England to Seattle uh, on the 5th and the 12th of November. So uh, that's a very tough stretch for them. That could decide the division. Plus in that, in that stretch, they are playing the big game of the year is they're playing on Thanksgiving at Dallas, which means that they're one of those weeks is a short week. To boot, so yeah, no, no, and it's really weird. Like after that, that's kind of like the murderer's row, I think. But after that, they host the Dolphins for December third. But because there's a ten day break after the Dallas game, the Thanksgiving game, then you get to the Dolphins. Then they have their bye week, and then they play again on the seventeenth, right? So in a span of twenty two games from the end of the end of the Cowboys game up into the night before 
they play whoever they play on the 17th off the top of my head. I don't remember. They're, it's at the Rams. At the Rams, they have one game in 22 days. That's nuts. That that is that is a bit peculiar. I was saying I can't believe they have a Week 14 bye again for the second straight year. That seems insane. But to your point, at least this time they have. It's almost like a double bye because of the 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 Thursday to to uh game and then the at the uh, against the dolphins 10 days later so yeah they, they have a lot of rest there um we'll see obviously we'll see how it all unfolds and whether that matters um you know between, between injuries are they still in contention um you mentioned after week six that it is daunting from week seven to 13 is a tough schedule here's what i'll say i'm gonna say this i think weeks one to six are the most important part of the entire schedule because this team has started off terribly yes. in every year under Ron Rivera, right? Now, we know about the midseason rally, and they've done that every time. I would say that if you rank their the, the opponents, uh, it's probably out there in some list of like, or uh, well, at least my projections, I should say, of the opponents from best to worst. I think arguably the three worst teams that they're going to face, Arizona Cardinals in week one at FedEx Field. This will be the first game we think. That does not involve Dan Snyder as the owner, and it's an, against an opponent that's it's kind of a lousy opponent. They are probably the team that everybody's going to pick to have the first pick in the draft next year. Um, but also, they don't have much of a fan base that's going to like raid the stadium. So that should be fun from that perspective. Should be a chance for everybody to come out who wants to sell the place out, all that. But then in right then week five, Bears on Thursday night. So those are the two national games. Bears in week five Thursday and Dallas on Thanksgiving. I can't believe Amazon agreed to do another Commander's Bears game on Thursday, but okay. Uh, I'm sure Michael's just going to sit that one out. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> but okay, again, look, I get it. Justin Fields may improve. The Bears had a lot of additions this offseason. But nonetheless, they're going to be projected to be one of the worst teams in the league. And then the following week, this is maybe a little unfair because Atlanta won seven games last year. But, you know, it's still Desmond Ritter at quarterback. It's, it's sort of the same vein as Sam Howe. We don't quite know what to make of them. That game week six is at Atlanta. If they don't go at least three and three in that stretch, I think they're screwed because of what you just laid out. Because after that, it's at Giants, Philadelphia, at New England, at Seattle, Giants, Dallas, at Dallas on Thanksgiving, Miami, and then the bye week. So, I, you know... If you want to tell me the Rams are one of their three three worst teams they'll face, maybe. Uh, you know, they're obviously still have Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Stafford and all that and Sean McVay. But that's not till at least later anyway. So I think if they don't go at least three and three in those first six games, I think they're in big trouble um, at a minimum. I completely agree. I mean, you think back to 2019 when Jay Gruden got the axe in the first five weeks from going – Oh, and five. I mean, it's way too premature to be talking about that, but I mean, that's kind of how slow they've started under Rivera. You know, they have the enemy in the wings, kind of. Jack Del Rio has been a head coach before, so you know, you hate to be talking about these things so early at the moment the schedule comes out, but you know, this is the type of pressure I think is going to be on Ron Rivera this year uh, in the make or break year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if they start off slow, even if we people want to say, well, we know they're going to rally because that's how they do things. Yeah. New ownership might be like, we're not into that. So hard pass. I mean, we don't care. We, you know, let's just get this going. Secondly, like, let's just say Sam Howell is the week one starter. Again, nice soft landing spot in theory against the Cardinals. Then it's at Denver. Just historically, obviously, road games at Denver are tough. It's now Sean Payton. We get the Sean Payton, Ron Rivera uh, game in week two. And then... The Buffalo Bills here the, are, you know, either the Bills or the Eagles are arguably the best team they're going to face this year. And then it is um, at the Eagles before that Bears game. So those weeks two through four, I mean, you got to win at least one, I would say. And assuming you beat Arizona, that you're two and two at that point. Um, but yeah, you could be looking at, you know, I can't even comprehend losing to Arizona. So let's just put that out. But you could be looking at one and three entering that Bears Falcons scenario. So, uh, and I was going to say, if Sam Howell is your starter and you're, you're one and two, one and three, 
do you stay with that? Maybe under normal circumstances, you would say, well, we're going to let the young guy play it through. Will this coaching staff feel comfortable doing that, knowing the possibility that you know they, they could be on the hot seat? So, um, yeah, I think that first six weeks is really going to be uh, telling. Um, all right, let me ask you this. So if you're a fan, because fans ask sometimes, where would you recommend they go? What what do you think is the fan game here? I mean, put it, putting aside Dallas on Thanksgiving, obviously, I think that would be a lot of fun for tr- tradition's sake. Um, what's the game here that you're looking at, both from the travel standpoint, maybe the weather, the impact of the game, the opponent, whatever it is, what's the game for you that you like? Well, Virginia, uh, you know, has nice winters, but a December 17th trip right after the bye to Los Angeles I'm gonna be looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. I'm not I no 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 lie there. Um, and by the way, like after that game, it's Christmas Eve at the Jets, which means if you're a hey, you know, New York, uh, being in New York for Christmas is a pretty cool thing to do. That that's gonna be a pretty cool thing to do. So you, you'd have that opportunity, um, for sure. By the way, I didn't say it. Well, I'll just go through it here. So the after those two games, the last two should they be in the male playoff mix at that point, tough finish San Francisco on new year's Eve. And then Dallas, we don't have a date yet. I guess, uh, I guess, uh, you know, potential flex situation, but Dallas is the week 18 game again here for the second straight uh, year. Um, so, yeah, so that's a pretty uh, tough finish. Should, should that, um, should that matter? Uh, but you're right about the Rams game. It's hard to not, uh, Look. Can I give you a, a sneaky October 15th against Atlanta one? I think Atlanta's uh underrated city. Had a great time the last time we went. But, uh, you know, if Taylor Heineke is starting that uh, Falcons game, that, that's a fun one to go to. But that would require the Falcons to lose complete faith in Desmond Ritter, which I don't know is going to happen by week six. Or, you know, or there's an injury, which is what happened has happened the last two years here. That's how Taylor Heineke got in. And I, in my um, story, it w- that'll be up in athletic. We, one of the questions we had to answer was what, what's the game where the opponent looks tougher, better than they did the last time they faced. And I went with Atlanta just because um, the Falcons added a bunch of new pieces. They get B. John Robinson. And I said, yes, they also have Taylor Heineke and you know, one way or another, he's going to play in this game. I don't know how it's going to happen. Somehow he's playing in this game. Now, does he? If Atlanta wins, does he have to buy Washington sneakers, or does he just use the ones that he probably had? Well, right. I don't. I don't know. That's a good question. Does he already have Burgundy and Gold Jordans? Um, I don't know. Good bit. I, you know what? He's creative though. Something tells me he might switch it up to something else. I don't know what that would be, but uh, you know that that that'll, have we ever asked as a media group? Sometimes we get. The coach. Very rarely we get the back. We get the starting quarterback. Is this one where we ask for the backup quarterback if he is the backup? Even if he doesn't play, I, right? I, would do that. I love a company. I mean, yeah, I think I think I think and I think he would be down. I think he would be down for that as well. Um, I mentioned the eighth toughest schedule projections. Now that's of course based on records from the previous year, which you know, it, as we know, it can be very hit or miss depending on um how how on a lot of variables. But the quarterbacks, that's typically, if we're talking from the eye test, that's where this is going to look, where you're really going to get a probably better feel for what you're about to face. 2021 was a ridiculous quarterback schedule. Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. I mean, I know they won some of those games or whatever, but like, you know, and, and, and tons more. I mean, it was a ridiculous schedule. Last year was a bit the opposite. You had... Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and of course the division opponents and Jalen Hurts at that point became a, 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 a noted quarterback this year I think is somewhere in the middle you've got a couple at the top namely Josh Allen again and Jalen Hurts and then at the bottom I guess if you want to say with Arizona week one you're probably looking at Colt McCoy because Kyler Murray is is hurt and you know I'll let you debate what you think of Mac Jones or, or something like that I just think that the middle is pretty thick the, you know, when you're talking about, uh, you know, Dak Prescott twice, uh, Daniel Jones twice, maybe Russell Wilson rebounds, but I'll put him at least in the middle this year. You know, Tua Tunga Viola, hopefully he's healthy for his own sake and for Miami's sake, but he's another one. You know, Stafford, Matthew Stafford would be 
in the top tier if healthy maybe he will be but i you know i'm sort of questionable after last year and where he is in his career um and then of course like the niners is brock purdy starting even if he is his last year real or a fluke so i think they i, I don't think it's as daunting as it says 2021 but there's not a lot of like, wow, that's an obvious game where the quarterback is not very good or a game where the quarterback is going to be a ridiculously hard uh, task. Well, it also just matters on what Washington is getting from their own quarterback situation. It's much easier to, you know, face a middle of the road quarterback play if your quarterback can replicate something close to that. I mean, if Powell or Jacoby Brissett, you know, don't perform adequately, then it's going to be a long year. It will be a long year. Um, all right. Well, look, uh, as I said, schedule day, uh, you know, once we get the schedule, it's it's a, it's a fun time to figure it out. And I, I can't wait to map this out for my own sanity in a little uh, a little bit here. Um, while I had to have you here really quick, rookie minicamp is on Friday. Um, we found out today that Quan Martin will not be attending. He's got some personal matter to deal with. And the team said, gave me an excuse an excuse absence to go take care of that. Otherwise all these guys will be out there. Um, anybody that for you, you're curious to see how they perform or what, or what they look like or anything along those lines, even if it's an undrafted guy, um, because, you know, obviously those guys are interesting as well, but is there anybody that you're kind of, you know, excited to, to, to hear about at least um, what, 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 you know, over the weekend. Can I say no? <laughs> you can. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> It, it, I, I don't know. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Forbes does once, like they, you know, once they start playing eleven on eleven, they're not going to do that in camp. But I want to see his ball skills uh, up close. <laughs> uh, and yeah, just uh, I don't know. It, Chris Rodriguez, we can plug your podcast. He seems like an interesting pick. Uh, the edge rushers are both pretty long and have potential there. So. Um. Yeah, it, I, I th- it's an interesting class, but there's there's no one that like when Dwayne was picked, it was obvious. Let's go see Dwayne. Let's go see the quarterback. Even a, a few years ago with Jamin Davis, like there's just nothing that jumps off the page to me, and that's perfectly okay. You know, this roster I think is in a spot that I think can afford a draft class like that. It's just not super sexy, but that's totally okay. I will just say that, like, this is not, you know, no matter what we're all are tweeting or writing about, don't get crazy in any direction, except that I will say this is, this is sometimes the first impression is the right one. Like, for example, last year, Jahan Dotson was sharp from the jump and he never really faded the whole time, even when the, obviously when the veterans came and the game turned real. I also remember when Josh Dotson was the first pick and we, it was our chance to really sort of talk to him in person. And pretty quickly, I was like, uh, I think there's a problem here. I don't know how much he's into this. And obviously that played out as well. So, um, you know, sometimes some of that comes across and this is more about, I would say like athletic traits than anything else. Obviously most of the people who are going to be on the field are not going to be on the team. Some won't even be on the 90 man roster. So I don't need a manual Forbes to have a pick six, but that would be fun though. Um, but it would be good to see him look, like the the guy out there that you're like okay i can see when he has to guard uh top receivers that i see the traits i see the instincts things like that so i, I would just leave it at that but yeah I, I forbes will be the one for me probably as well yeah i don't recall Jahan dotson's breakout last year because i had covid during minicamp so i was not there oh well then you know i'm sure i'm sure i said he was going to be the team leader in touchdowns after watching that what that that rookie minicamp i'm sure i said that um all right matt uh to to give you the howard stern you've said it all uh go follow matt on twitter at matthew underscore paris read him at the washington times and uh appreciate the time as always i excited to uh, discuss our travel schedules here i know i just start booking some things here uh, i'm ready let's go oh okay so now we'll do this i'll go with my i'll, I'll go with uh, Dan Kaplan, because obviously the ownership deal is what people are most interested in. And then we'll get to my interview with Chris Rodriguez. We'll do that now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right. It's Wednesday evening. We are here talking about the latest on the Dan Snyder, Josh Harris, uh, trying to come up with an agreement in, in uh, official agreement to uh, 
sell the Washington Commanders. And here with to help us explain where we are right now in this process is our uh, sports business writer at The Athletic, Dan Kaplan. Uh, Dan, you and I spoke last on this podcast at the owners meeting. Uh, some things have changed, but I imagine probably we're not we're not as far along as I as I know a lot of the fans who are anxiously awaiting some resolution here would would like. Um, I appreciate the time to, to let us know where you have us at. Um, you have a, I should mention you have a story that was up today on the athletic that I encourage everyone to read about it. But I guess this first off, uh, you know, ha, wh- what's your view worldview right now of where things stand with uh, Josh Harris trying to buy this team? Well, I recall when we talked last, it was in the uh, parking lot of the Biltmore Hotel in Arizona. The <laughs> yeah, sun, a, little, a little bit different surroundings of compared to them. Yeah, now we're in our homes back, back, back east. Um, so Josh Harris has been was always the front runner, and he has this non-exclusive agreement that he submitted to the league uh, last month, which is by itself a pretty unusual step. It's it's not usually the seller and buyer reaching agreement is exclusive they sign it they submit it to the league that's not what's been going on here in part because snyder's so uncooperative with the league harris needs to take charge um the problem so far with the harris bid is that it it relies heavily on on borrowing above the nfl limit and i can get to the details of that in a second and uh, there's a large number of limited partners, including those from outside the country, which just means there'll be even more vetting that needs to be done. Um, so there are, there are a number of hurdles in, in front of this deal that a lot of people who were celebrating last month when the news came out that ha- the Harris bid was going to the NFL um, probably didn't expect. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, I think... I, I, you know, because it's the Dan Snyder situation, I'm not, I never assume much, but even I was like, all right, well, I mean, Josh Harris has uh, you know, he owns our two teams. He's got a lot of money and assets. He's got a bunch of partners now. And, you know, since then we have learned the names of several of these partners. We already knew about Mitchell rails, of course, who is the number two uh, investor, you know, partner in the situation. We knew about magic Johnson, but just in the last few days, uh, a guy like Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, whose net worth, according to uh, Bloomberg or, or the internet, at least, is like $18 billion. And there's a lot of other names who have a lot of money. And it seems like, therefore, this shouldn't be that big of a deal. Explain to everybody why that actually doesn't matter. We don't add up the net worth of these people to put this over the finish line and why, therefore, it is coming. It has been a bit of a struggle, perhaps, here for Josh Harris to get this over the line. Well, the, the net worth is all good, well and good, but it depends how much they're putting in. If if Eric Schmidt's putting in two hundred million, it doesn't matter that his net worth is eighteen billion. It, they they need to get to a certain amount of equity. The way the NFL works is they they allow the owners to borrow one point one billion dollars against the franchise, so they can borrow it and it, and it's secured against the value of the franchise, and it's can be paid back from revenue from the franchise. Um, what Harris is proposing doing because he's got to he's got to narrow that gap between one point one billion. And the 6.05 billion purchase price, he's trying to fill that in first with some extra borrowing against his other sports teams, the 76ers, the Devils, and maybe his interest in Crystal Palace. Um, and he's also amassed this large group of limited partners. Now, the, the limited partner group does not exceed the cap the NFL has, which is 25. Uh, they, there's roughly 16 or 17 limited partners. That's still a large group by NFL standards, and it, it will take a heck of a lot of vetting. And they, they, they're going to go through these people with a fine tooth comb, not just financially, but personally. They want to make sure there's no, no red flags, no, no drug use, things like that. And just to be clear, uh, you know, 17 people. This is why Jeff Bezos, of course, was so interesting beyond who he is, uh, you know, that. He's a one-person bid. He, he doesn't. I mean, maybe he would have other people, if just for whatever reason, just for fun, almost. But he doesn't need anybody else, and that's why going with a guy like that uh, would would have been so appealing for the league uh, because you don't have to deal with as many hurdles as they're looking like they are uh, right now. Um, yeah, and Snyder certainly didn't uh, roll out the welcome wagon for for Bezos, so he snuck <laughs> that out early. No, no. Um, so. A lot of interesting things in your story. I want to get to one aspect here in particular. Now, the assumption, of course, is that 
get this deal done. And that is it for Dan Snyder. No longer affiliated with this organization, no longer attached to it. Josh Harris, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But you wrote in your story that this deal is so unusual uh, that it may end up breaking the mold for what an NFL franchise sale is usually all about, um, which you noted, of course, that if they're willing to move some goalposts around, that is a sign of how much the league wants to get rid of Dan Snyder, which I think a lot of people could understand. But you have in here in your story, I'm reading from your story, there is the possibility of an unprecedented conditional approval allowing more debt than a standard and the prospective soon-to-be ex-owner extending a loan to the Harris group to get the deal over the finish line. Uh, wait, are we saying, I think what you're saying is that Dan Snyder, to get this done, could give Josh Harris a loan. But what does that mean? Is Dan Snyder still therefore going to be part of this group? Or what, 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 what does that mean? Well, if he's if it's a loan, he's just it's it's seller financing, which is not unprecedented, and there's probably a a term in which it has to be paid paid <clears throat> excuse me paid paid back. Um, it it the, the when I heard that, I asked a, a someone close to Harris. Well, I thought Snyder was dragging his feet. I thought he didn't want to sell the team, and the response is he does want to sell the team, and so that that was one illuminating element of that that I took away from it that Snyder do, does want out. Uh, so much so that he's willing to put in a little bit of uh, money to make make it happen. So it's it'd be different if in th this could just theoretically if he wanted to stay in as an equity partner. And in that way, if he say he stayed in at fifteen percent, that would be fifteen percent less equity that Harris has to come up with, and would probably solve a lot of his problems. But I can't imagine the NFL owners being uh, content to have Dan Snyder still in their midst. Right, right. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, this is not my, uh, my, my world is figuring out who's going to be on the 53 player roster, not heavy financing. So a lot of this I'm trying to process on my own here. I asked you this earlier off before we started, but I'll ask it here. Uh, okay. So if Josh Harris, and it's so weird to see billionaires struggle to come up with this money the way, like I, when I, when I was like a 22 year old trying to figure out, you know, can I get 10 bucks to eat dinner at Taco Bell tonight? Uh, I know this is not the exact same thing, but it feels like that's where we're at right now. They're, they're looking under every couch cushion to figure out how to get this over the top. Why not? I, I know people wouldn't like to hear this, but why not? Or could you, or would you think this is conceivable for Josh Harris to ultimately say, hey, here's the deal. I'll buy 90% of the team. I have that. We have the money for that. We can square the financing away or whatever, whatever the parameters are. And Dan Snyder keeps 10%. That seems like that would get this over the line, but it would also, and I threw out 90%. I don't know what the number would be. Of it course, could also be also... a different, different member of Snyder's family could keep a percent. Um, they'd have to be willing to do that. I mean, hypothetically, I, I, it, it would work. To step back a minute to why this is coming up now, uh, the, the exponential rise in values of NFL franchises is driving this. Uh, before last year, the top price for an NFL franchise was, I believe, $2.275 billion by Dave Tepper, hedge fund titan, in 2019. Then last year, the Denver Broncos sold for $4.65 billion, and they were bought by members of the Walton family, which have which have gazillions of dollars from, uh, from Walmart. And then there's this one, which is going for $6 billion. Now, Josh Harris is wealthy, but he's not that wealthy. That's why he needs all these LPs and the borrowing. Uh, and this has been the concern for some time that the NFL would need to change its rules to accommodate th this new reality. Uh, they did raise their debt limit from 600 million to 1.1 billion, but they don't allow private equity. Um, they don't allow borrowing against private equity. Uh, I had been told at one point Harris had proposed borrowing against his private equity firm, uh, Apollo, um, and he's not he's not doing that. So he's in at one point and told he went to the league. This was early on, seeing if there was some way he could finagle private equity into it, and he was turned down. So if this deal did implode, I think the league would really have to do a hard look at its rules on ownership. One thing I was thinking of is it, why why the cap it at one point one billion? Perhaps it should be a percentage. The debt should be a percentage of of the equity price. Why should it be one point one billion for of uh, debt for a four point six billion dollar deal? And it's $1.1 billion for a $6 billion deal. Shouldn't it be a percentage of the debt? And that way you could add more debt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that certainly makes some sense there. And I agree with you. I think 
coming out of this, a bigger story, perhaps for you or your those in your in your industry, your world there, the idea of like what the NFL rules are for buying these teams, because it's only getting it's going to get crazier. The last two ownership sales went to the Walton family who owned Walmart and are one of the richest families in the world. And then David Tepper, the, the Panthers new owner who, you know, has the gobs of money as well, even beyond what we're talking about here. And if that's what we're, if that's the new normal going forward, then you're talking about, you know, very, 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 very few people who can even afford to do this solo. And then that becomes more interesting or more challenging going forward. Um, but to go back to this Washington, as I'm listening to myself talk about this, I don't want to sound overly alarmist. Uh, I mean, people I've talked to, I think people are still expecting this thing to go forward. And maybe this is just a lull in the action and they're trying to figure out how to, how to get forward here. Where are you at right now with the idea of this thing actually being in jeopardy, uh, you know, at all? Well, the, since my story came out, the Washington Post reported at the Finance Committee meeting today, the it wasn't received very well, according to the Washington Post, the the uh, Harris offer, which is strongly what I was suggesting in my story, that there were concerns, there were issues with the with the deal from, from debt to LPs, uh, th things like limited partners, things like that. Um, the Washington Post story painted a troubling picture i mean it, i think they they said that the, the they had more concerns coming out of it than going in uh that's 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 troubling so hopefully they get this together and maybe they take up your idea of keeping keeping some snyder in with some equity to shave off the cash need the cash outlay need but this is, you know, a month ago, or a few weeks ago, people were considering this a slam dunk, no problem. It was going to fly through. It's that's it's just not the case. No, certainly not. I think everybody's learned getting a lesson in how these things go down. And I think so today on Wednesday, uh, there was a meeting with the finance committee, but the big meeting that everybody's been kind of anticipating that's taking place in Minneapolis uh is uh the 22nd uh yeah, so, yeah of, of of may the one thing that the post had in there as well that i think you your story was kind of getting to as well is if everybody's been like we've we've, we've constantly been pushing the goalpost back right there was originally hey this is a little you know could get done by the owners meeting maybe even before the owners meeting and then it was well okay now at the owners meeting maybe they'll have a conversation maybe it'll be a couple weeks after the owners meeting and now we're you know a ways uh, since then, and I guess the sense was is from the post story and and a little bit I think from where you are as well is that this meeting in Minneapolis they just may not be able to even get enough momentum to whatever have a have any kind of a vote or even a, a robust discussion about the bid. What's your what's your view of that? And and where would you put the timeline at this at this point? Well, look, as best you can. Even a week ago, when the story came out that. The NFL is considering a staged approval. When I first heard this, I was I was like, "What's a staged approval?" I mean, I asked investment bankers; they didn't know what the hell I was talking about. This has never been done before, and it, it underscores how much the NFL wants Snyder out. But the concept was they would take the preliminary, they would take jo Harris's bid, even though it wasn't agreed to by Snyder, signed by Snyder, and they would put it up for a vote to owners. And then if the owners voted for it, it would be a strong message. It essentially, it would be a stalking horse, uh, a, a message to Snyder to say, um, we have enough votes to vote you out, so agree to this deal. But the problem is, if the deal doesn't meet NFL standards and doesn't, and, and they have to stretch the stre stretch the guidelines to the point of breaking, that's a whole other issue. And a lot of the owners are going to be uncomfortable with that. And so if they can't even get it by the finance committee, it's certainly not going to pull ownership. Okay, so I hear people right now as they're listening to this. I don't know if they're throwing their remote controls across the room. I, I don't know if they're, uh, you know, just angrily just screaming into the void. What, 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 what do you, what do you tell people? You know, if you, if, if I make you go from business writer to therapist, what do you tell people right now who are anxiously awaiting this to go down to move on from the Dan Snyder era? And it's already been a few weeks. What, you know, what what are, what are maybe some of the things to look at here going forward that to keep an eye on is to perhaps as a guide 
to what may happen next? Well, one, the one, excuse me, the words of of uh, soothing words would be: Look, the NFL is doing everything it can to make this deal happen. Uh, they've they accepted Harris's offer uh, without through non traditional channels. They've reviewed it. I mean, this has gone through. It's a non exclusive offer, not signed by the owner, and it's in front of the finance committee. That's unheard of. That shows you the NFL is willing to you know bend backwards to bend over backwards to try to make this happen so maybe they'll let you maybe they'll let harris borrow heavily against his sports team assets uh you know there there's maybe they they will let let snyder do a seller financing but i mean the washington post story wasn't promising though i mean it, it certainly suggested the members of that owners committee weren't willing to bend the rules as much as harris might hope all right. Um, let me get to another topic here that is also a little concerning. I, it feels like from the outside, everything we're talking about is just buying the franchise as it stands. That includes FedEx Field. The assumption has been that they're going to build a new stadium. We've talked about that for several years now. Um, obviously, Dan Snyder was trying to do that prior to looking to sell the team. And we've all discussed D.C., Maryland, Virginia, whatever that may be. But in order to do this, it's going to cost legit money. I mean, a lot of money to build a state-of-the-art stadium. How concerning is it that if Josh Harris and his group are struggling to some degree to get to the finish line here, that even if they are able to do that, I mean, I know it may be a little bit hard to speculate, but is it concerning that maybe they don't have the financing to do what the stadium could be what two billion or more dollars um what's your and that's just that i mean there's probably other things to 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 consider there's you know the, the practice facility as well how concerning is it that we're here struggling to get to the to the bid and that you still have these other expenses down the line well it'd be really concerning and it's probably why the finance committee isn't willing to bend the rules greatly um this is the, the NFL does do not want cash poor owners. Um, they want uh, they want owners who can put up you know two hundred million dollar bonuses to uh, guarantee con. Uh, now nah, let me step back. They want owners who can put up hundred twenty million dollar bonuses, build stadiums, um, build training facilities, have a first class operation. Uh, now you presume Harris would provide that, but if he's if he's scraping the nickels together to get this deal done, what does he have left over for for the rest? It's in 2016, um, the, NFL, the NFL had a special LA committee to decide which teams got to relocate, which team got to relocate to LA. And they, the LA committee recommended the Chargers and the Raiders, and the full ownership went against them. It was almost unprecedented to spurn a committee vote. Um, and the reason was that Stan Kroenke, who, who, who owns the Rams and got the relocation nod, uh, had the money to build a new stadium. They were willing to to bend their rules to get Stan Kroenke to to L.A. And of course, he spent I think it was five billion dollars to build SoFi Stadium. So the NFL is well aware of you know the need that it's not just having the team; it's being able to build everything around the team. So um, I'm not saying the deal is not going to happen, but uh, there there are concerns. Now, okay, so as we recall. At the time that Josh Harris submitted a bid, so did the group uh, led by uh, Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolopoulos. And we also had heard the idea of possibly a mystery bidder out there. We know that Tillman Fertitta, the Houston Rockets owner, explored it, made a bid, but he's he's moved on. And, and we know Jeff Bezos the same. Uh, what about that component? If Josh Harris is struggling, I haven't heard anything about these other groups would that infer that a the league is really trying to get Harris done or is that look these groups may be interested but there's not enough of a player for the league to pivot that way well the league is clearly trying to make the Harris bid work um if they were trying to make the other bids work they'd be working with those bids um I, I'm not privy to their bids but there's there's talk that it, that Harris has problems with with the the funding uh they 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 do too if not more so. So 
Um, th this is the problem when you have a six billion dollar price and uh, and you have people who are worth you know two, three, four billion. It's it's not, and you can only borrow a billion for the purchase. It's it becomes a problem, and that's where that's what we're up against. That's what the situation is right now. I mean, this is so ironic in a certain sense because when Dan Snyder originally bought the team, he was a limited partner. It was Howard Milstein, the the lead. He eventually his financing was deemed not credible or whatever the term was in the moment, and that led the league to pivot. Real estate. Milstein was a real estate investor, and his assets were considered illiquid. Um, and so that 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 was the concern at the time. That's what brought Snyder in. And in fact, it was it's his L, his LPs borrowed against their own personal businesses. I think Mort Zuckerman owned the Daily News. He borrowed against the Daily News to fund help fund the purchase. So here we are again with a prospective buyer of the team looking to fund it in part with off their backs of his personal business. Right. So so to that end, and I don't want to like again, I I'm. I'm still operating under the approach that this will somehow get done with Josh Harris, but I don't know for you, is there a point in time where this thing goes on for another two weeks, a month longer where it's like, okay, is there somebody, Hey, let's pivot. I don't know. Is there somebody else with this in this limited partnership group who may have the wherewithal and decide they want to be in charge. I'm not saying you would, you would know that at this point, but I'm just asking, does there become a point in time where the, the league may have to say, Hey, Josh, we have tried, but, we can't keep waiting forever here. That could happen. It could happen. I mean, it's we'll know more after the Minneapolis meeting if they if it's all if they're all quiet about the deal and don't want to talk about it and it's not on the agenda. That will be a message that you know things have somewhat gone off the tracks. So um, you know, you you mentioned Schmidt, the the Google former Google CEO. I mean, could he could he step in? You know, maybe. Um, I, I have no no information on that, but. Uh, could Bezos suddenly come back into the picture? Uh, that you know, look, the Harris bid is not dead by by any means. Uh, right. The league is trying to make it. I think the league wants to make it work, but um, it it has some holes. For for sure, and you know, one of the appeals with Josh Harris, of course, is that he's already owns two two teams: an NBA team and an NHL team. He's been a, a limited partner with the, with the Steelers, uh, an EPL team. He's he's of this world. He's gone through these situations. Hiring coaches, firing coaches, dealing with things that owners deal with. That's a nice thing. You know, you want somebody with experience, not a rookie. And pretty much everybody else who would be part of this group uh, would largely be that. So that's a whole other story. I, I'm sure I've already set off too many alarms here for people. Not intentional. I just we're trying to play, figure out what what to make sense of this. I would encourage everyone to go read Dan's story from uh, earlier today. And as he pointed out, the Washington Post had an update uh, this afternoon. So you can go check that one out as a companion piece. Um, anything else? I mean, I, I feel like I said, I've been like, I don't know if I'm being overly alarmist, but it does feel like this is a little more concerning. I still with, with guess it gets done with Harris because like you said, the league seems to be trying to, but yeah, it's uh, there's nothing ever easy in the Dan Snyder era. Even the getting rid of even the selling of the Dan Snyder. We haven't even talked about we haven't even talked about the indemnification issue. He's still right. out there. He's still and that's a league Snyder issue. He wants uh, to be indemnified against uh, you know future legal issues that might stem from um, the Mary Jo White report. Right. If you what what's your sense of that? I mean, I know when we were at the owners' meeting, you know, Jim Ursay said, uh, you know, this isn't something we've ever whatever limited scope of indemnification fine but not this broad one that maybe dan snyder was looking for what what's your sense of that is do you think the league is willing to budge on that or is that a, a major step a sticking point in and of its own right at this stage well i'm sure they can compromise i mean if they, if they came down to limited indemnification to get the deal over the 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 finish line i'm sure the league might might go for that i mean anything to be rid of this albatross but um, in terms of a widespread indemnification of Snyder for, you know, for all the scandals, I I, I don't see the league doing that. And if anything, learn from him. Right. And you mentioned the Mary Jo White report. Like, you know, we're way, way over a year at this point since it started. Um, I, I think the Washington Post reported a few couple of months or so ago that Dan Snyder has been at this stage unwilling to meet with Mary Jo White. I don't suspect that would change, but almost on some level, like I've kind of assumed that they're going to wait 
on releasing this report, they said they will do it, but they will wait until the deal is done and then go from there. But at some point, how long can you wait for that as well? I'm not saying you have to answer that, but that's another component here. Uh, when does this thing become too too long? Um, well, it's been 14 months since she, you know, was tasked to do the report, and there, you know, I'm not saying the issues were simple, but one was, did he keep revenue back from the other owners by masking concert revenues? Uh, uh, concert revenues. I mean, you'd think that it wouldn't take 14 months to go through the books and figure that out. And the other was that he had made untoward advances towards a female employee, Tiffany Johnston. Um, I would hope it wouldn't have to take 14 months to get their their side of the stories and witnesses and where who was where when and but I mean it certainly seems like they're holding the, the report back to put pressure on Dan. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. All right, well look, we we you know we, we knew this wouldn't be a straight line when this started, even when we heard that Josh Harris and Dan Snyder had come to an agreement in principle. It certainly has not been that, and we will see where we go. Uh follow Dan on Twitter at Cap, wait, hold on. I don't have it in front of me. Kaplan Sports Biz. Yeah. All right. There you go. Kaplan Sports Biz, B I Z, uh, Kaplan with a K. Uh, and of course, go read his story here today on uh, what he's heard and what he's what he's uh, reporting about this process and, and how unusual it is at this point. Uh, Dan, I, I don't know when we, if when we talk next in this podcast, we'll be further along or, or have a deal done, but, you know, fingers crossed for all involved. Uh, appreciate the time as always. All right. Take care. All right. Uh, joining us here on the podcast, as promised, he's uh, one of the Washington Commanders' newest players, running back Chris Rodriguez is joining us. Chris, I really appreciate it, man. How uh, How's it going since we talked to you on draft night? Uh, it's going pretty good, you know. Um, pretty much just trying to stay stay ready. I mean, you know, that time is coming. Uh, I don't know what to expect, but you know, I'm whatever it is, I'll be ready for it. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the not knowing what to expect is weird, right? Like I know we've all started a new job, you know, people have, uh, <laughs> and you, the first day you walk in there, you're like, I don't know where anything is. I don't know who people are. I don't know what's going on. And you have to do this, but you're doing it like in such a fascinating stage where everybody's kind of paying attention. Uh, what, like, I mean, are you, you're not in town right now. Correct. Right. We're talking Wednesday. We're, we're on, we're talking Wednesday, but you're not here yet. No, I'm not there yet. I'm still in Lexington right now. So what, like, what's the deal? Like they tell you, they, they, they said, okay, here, we got you the plane ticket. You fly out, yeah. we'll pick you up. Like has it, has it, has the logistics work. So I, all I know is tomorrow I have a flight to uh, Chicago then Chicago to Washington. And then, you know, I don't know. I guess I get there. Somebody picks me up or, I mean, I don't even know where I'm going to be staying at. Hopefully it's not too far because I won't have a car or anything, but. You know, I feel like it'll all work out and it'll, I don't feel like they'll leave me be somewhere to, you know, rot or whatever. So, right. I, I don't think they'll make you Uber to the uh, to the facility nah, or no, anything like that. Doesn't uh, you obviously know Jamie Davis from Kentucky. Doesn't he have like a spare bedroom or something? Uh, man, if it comes down to it, I hope he does. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it'd be good. So hopefully, but, you know, we'll figure we'll figure something out. Yeah. So it's been a, a, a little strike of time here. It's been a couple of weeks or, or thereabouts since the draft. And and I, you know, I presume you, you, you knew you were going to get drafted at some point, but it did happen. It's a huge moment. And when we talked to you, you know, I think you were still in a bit of a daze, which is understandable. <laughs> what was it like sort of for you, the 24, 48, 72 hours after that happened? How long did it take you to sort of sink in that this is what's going to happen now you're coming to Washington? Yeah. Well, for me, I really still don't think it, it it hit me yet. Um, I don't think it will till I get there. Um, I know, like, I feel it like it's exciting. It's something I've always wanted to do. But again, I was just, I just don't feel like my family is so excited, and I'm just like, yo, like, calm down. We ain't did nothing yet. Like, I haven't even got there. I haven't even made the team. I haven't I haven't done just about anything yet. And uh, you know, like, you should be excited. I'm like, I am excited, but. And there's still work that needs to be done before I can celebrate. So, yeah, yeah, right. There's like different stages. There's the, wow, I can't believe this is happening to, oh, wait, now I actually have to go do the job and, and like show them that I'm, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm worthy of the time and the investment and, and all that, uh, and all that stuff. So, uh, obviously you guys are training, you know, from the time the season ended with Kentucky, 
you're getting ready for the draft and, and all these things you're going pro days and, and whatever. So you're training there, but like, do you keep, have you been, how do you keep training to get ready for this day? Like, do you do anything different to get ready for rookie camp and then OTAs and things like that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's way different from, you know, after season training, because after that it's, it's after the season is mostly like, you know, training for the 40, uh, little shuttles, um, just different stuff, you know, um, you try to cut weight a little bit, you know, just look good or whatever. But, um, after all that's done, said and done after the draft and everything is, is mostly trying to put back on my muscle mass, you know, um, lifting those heavy weights and, you know, trying to do more cardio. That's one thing that I've been trying to do more, uh, the past week, um, is cardio because, you know, when you're training for the 40, it's it's 40 yards and that's it. So right. you don't do too much. So that's that's really it. You know, trying to build back muscle mass and um and cardio is, is, is big for me. I feel like all the running back drills that we do, like I'm going to have to – I'm not going to know what to expect, so I can't practice for it, you know. Um, I can practice footwork and all that stuff, but I'm, I won't know till I get there. Well, I mean, you, you I guess hypothetically have a – an inside connection sort of because if we found out on draft day that you and Antonio Gibson are from the same neck of the woods. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to talk to him or, or, or whatever, but obviously, uh, I mean, maybe even Jamin has some idea. I don't know, but have you like had a chance to talk to, to any of those guys? I, I assume you've talked to Jamin, but have you had a chance to talk to any of those other guys since, since yeah. you were drafted? Yeah. So I talked to Gib, um, a few times, actually, uh, he, him and Jamin actually sent me pictures of my locker. That's there. Um, but yeah, me and Gib, we, we talked a little bit, um, some of it is about football stuff. Some of it is just, you know, like, yeah, I'm ready to get to work. You know, for me, it's, I want to learn as much as I can, like fast. And for me, I know it won't happen that way, but you know, I feel like I got a good leader ahead of me and, um, I feel like I listen to him. So what I'm looking forward to is getting there, learning from him, and um, seeing how it goes. What? Where's your? I I know the running backs are all together when you walk in the locker room. Um, you turn left, and then they're on the left side of the room, assuming they've stayed. So, are you like next Antonio, or where are you in the uh, in the group there? Nah, so I, I don't know. It was just a, it's just a regular like picture, like it was just my locker. It oh, gotcha. Me. I don't know if he was uh next to me or. Across from me, I just seen that he just sent the picture. Him and Jamin did. Gotcha. Well, if you if you are where the running backs are, just be warned: the defensive linemen are right across the room, and they are the loud they are the loud bunch in the in the room. And there's a lot of crossfire going on. So just be you know, be 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 ready. Oh, I will. <laughs> um, you know, it's so you know, obviously, we're all trying to figure out how do you fit in here with what with what they want to do, and and we're all wondering kind of what Eric B. Enemies system is going to be i think you said on draft day that you spoke to eric i think you said you were it was such a whirlwind you weren't even positive exactly who, who you were talking to but i think it was it was eric the enemy um what have you kind of been able to figure out about about him he's a former running back of course now is going to be the offensive coordinator here he was with the chiefs what's your sense of uh what they're looking for you from you and 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 and, and what have you kind of gathered gathered from him about what he's expecting yeah, so I haven't really talked to him as much as I talked to uh, Coach Jordan. Um, mm -hmm. oh, as And for me, I feel like it's just, you know, being that being that extra guy. You know, I feel like we'll have, obviously, uh, B-Rob and uh, A-Gib in, but um, I feel like I can be that adjuster for everybody. Um, you know, when they need a breather or whatever, or those – ground and pound yards that they need. Um, I feel like sometimes I, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to say, but I feel like sometimes I can be a fullback maybe, but who knows? I just, I don't know. But um, yeah, I feel like coach being me, he has, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, I mean, you've seen the last few years at Kansas city. Um, yeah. I feel like he's going to put the running backs in the best position possible to, to succeed and uh i feel like it'll be he'll make it easy on us but he, he'll challenge us at some times so uh ready for it i'm looking forward to it yeah you're, you're in a unique spot because this is the first time eric b had a chance to be the flat out offensive coordinator play caller and 
as a former running back, he surely is going to be interested in what you're doing. So you, you're going to be one of the first ones to one day tell the world what it was like to be in Eric Bieniemy's uh, first year as a full blown offensive coordinator. Um, so so that'll be that'll be interesting um, for sure. Uh, is, is there anything else as you as you're ready to get here that you're kind of excited to to see? I mean, so you, have you you have not been to to the facility yet, right? No, I have not. Um, I'm actually um, I'm excited to see. Uh, you know, not even just the facility, but just DC. You know, I've never been to the DMV. Um, I heard it's beautiful. I heard it's expensive, though. But you know, I, I don't know. I've never been there, so I, I can't wait to see for myself. Um, you know, that's that's one thing I like to do is travel and see new new places. So, yeah. Well, f- no, sorry. Go ahead. No, nah, so I'm looking forward to. It. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, you, the, the 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 hype is real. I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but it's the nation's capital. It's obviously a pretty cool deal. Now, Ashburn is a little bit out into the suburbs, so you know the, you, you might you probably need a, somebody to take you there the first time to show you how to get how to get into the city. Um, yeah. They're also not wrong. It's expensive. This is this area is not cheap, but uh, you know, but hopefully, you know, between the NFL salary, maybe get an endorsement somewhere. Uh, you'll uh, you know, you, you you'll, you'll figure <laughs> you figure some things out. Um, so. yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything in particular with DC? Because it, obviously, there's a lot of uh, monuments and museums, or just whatever. Is there anything, one thing in particular that you have kind of been waiting to be, ha- had in your mind to go see? Uh, nothing in particular. But I just, I like, I really want to see everything. Like, I, I was, I was gonna ask, like. What is something that is like a must see being in in DC? Um, yeah, I mean, good question. There's there's so much uh, down there. I mean, if you go to the to the National Mall, so like whenever there's a uh, rally or a protest or whatever it is, like that's where people essentially congregate, and it stretches. Mm-hmm. It it goes from basically the Washington Monument on one end to the U.S. Capitol on the other, and it's really it's a it's it's incredible seeing those all the museums are lined up uh, uh on you know on either side kind of bookending it um so i'd start there but and the white house isn't far from there and, and all that stuff so i'd start there but you know i don't know if you're into museums or uh you know there's so much to to, to check out um mm-hmm. sure. uh, but i do i do want to see the white house like i know uh we can't like you know probably get close to it but <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I've had uh, fences or gates up because of you know whatever is going on in the world at any given moment. But uh, yeah, at a minimum you can see it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, you, you'll you'll enjoy it. And I imagine the 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 team. I don't know if they'll take you guys on a field trip, but I imagine there'll be yeah. probably something um, yeah. <laughs> to do. Um, well, before I let you go, just uh, tell me. I'm asking. I'll ask you a couple random questions here just to get to 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 know you a little bit better. Um, growing up, was there? Did you have like a favorite athlete in in any sport, uh, football or otherwise? Uh, yeah. So I had a favorite football player growing up. My fit, well, a couple of them, honestly. Uh, being from Georgia, you know, Michael Vick was always one of my favorite players. You know, I don't, I don't know why I never played quarterback, but you know, you had to be from Georgia to kind of feel that. You know, um, and then Marshawn Lynch was uh obviously one of the one of like my role models kind of growing up um, loved the way he played the game. And, you know, that's the reason I wore 24 is because of him. Um, and then, you know, basketball, Carmelo Anthony, uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but that, I feel like Carmelo is for me, the goat. So, really? Like, not, yeah. not just your favorite player, but he is the goat. Yeah. I feel it. Carmelo's a goat. Were you a Knicks fan or just a Carmelo uh, fan? I w- I would s- not really a Knicks fan, uh, just a Melo fan. Yeah, I mean, growing up, my dad, my dad was from New York. Growing up, um, so I mean, we watched the Knicks, but then you know, Carmelo just kind of was that guy for me. Like yeah. I would always UK, I would always use Carmelo because <laughs> he's the best. So <laughs> uh, I mean, he you know, there's a few guys in the ever who played who could score like he can. He's not. Uh, you'll you'll hear the term the DMV a lot, meaning the D- District Maryland and Virginia as like sort of the fan base. Now mm-hmm. we don't really count Baltimore, but Carmelo Anthony is from Baltimore, so like if you want to 
very, 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 very loosely include him. You could, but yeah. he's not really from, but he's not from, he's not the fan base, but Baltimore's, you know, close enough, I guess, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> so you got, you got that going for you. Um, what, um, what, what's that? What's it? This is a weird question. I was asked people, what's a skill or a habit or a hobby that you have that you would be like a hall of famer in? Like, I mean, like some people would say like, they're really good at, uh, you know, making, uh, M- making a steak some people might say they are the they are the best at uh you know ping pong i don't know whatever it is what, what's the thing for you that like you know you 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 think i am really i have this really good skill at anything um that's a good question i would think to think about that and get back to you let me think about it a little bit i don't right. know well you said you play michael vick when you play, did you play michael vick when you play uh on madden no, so I didn't. Me growing up, I didn't really play Madden like that. Um, my brother was always like Halo, Call of Duty, and um, whenever we would play Madden, he would always like turn the game off. So we never really played Madden. Um, but we would always play like Call of Duty. So those those were the games that kind of stuck with me. Uh, I'm in a mix of like Call of Duty and Fortnite. So those are really the only two I play. Um, even though I play the game a, a lot, but those are the only two that I really play. Um, at the NFLPA, Call of Duty actually came out, and um, they had like a little event tournament type thing, and um, it was like whoever gets the most kills, you win like ten thousand dollars or whatever. And it was yeah, it was wild. But um, who won? Uh, Darren Kennard won. He was actually at Kentucky. Um not last year but the year before 21 um but yeah so I was the only rookie up there for a minute you know it was Darren Kennard Sauce Gardner and then me and then two other people but um when I left I think I had dropped to fifth because people had kept playing but um yeah I was in I was in fifth out of everybody that was at the um at the uh, draft, so feel pretty good about it. But I feel All like right. I should have. All right. Well, we'll put that. We'll put that down as the your 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 special skill because uh, it sounds like you're pretty good at that. And you might have even had a chance to win if you know you didn't have to. If you if you if you could have stayed there as long as these other guys did. Um, well, so the last question. I don't know if you set goals for yourself going into a season. Obviously, this is different than than, than college. But do you have? maybe it's too early, but like, do you have that? Or will you think you'll eventually set some goals or what would you, you know, what do you kind of think those goals? Yeah. Yeah, So I only have a few goals right now. Um, I mean, I have some in place, but you know, my goals are, you know, they're, they're smaller, like micro goals to help me achieve bigger goals. Um, So for me, my first goal is to, to make the team. That's, that's my first goal. Uh, Make the team. Second goal is to, help the team win in any way, whereas special teams, offense, whatever. And then third goal, obviously, is to to play uh, on offense. But, you know, those are those are just the, the starting the um, my starter goals. Um, obviously, um, once those goals are achieved and I'll have to set new ones uh, and probably, you know, be like yards and touchdowns or whatnot, but first I'm have to focus on making the team. I mean, I think that's you know, don't put the cart before the horse, as they say. So makes sure. uh makes sense to me. All right, uh Chris, I really appreciate the time and I'm, I'm sure everybody appreciates getting to know you a little bit better. You are at C R O D underscore J R on Twitter. Uh Twitter's what I pay attention to for social media. You have other social media that you want people to uh, know of that to uh follow you on? Well, yeah, just Twitter and uh, Instagram is really the the only main two that I use. Um, I thought everybody under twenty five out by law had to be on TikTok. Is that not that's not true? TikTok is like a black hole, man. You get on that, you get on TikTok, you'll be scrolling forever. So I was like, you know, it just I'm about to just delete it. So I deleted it. I have an account, um, but nah, I don't I don't really log into it really. Um, mainly on Twitter. Twitter videos are funnier, anyways. So. Stay on Twitter. All right. Instagram. Deal. I like it. Uh, Chris, man, I really appreciate it. We'll see you out there in a couple of days. Yes, sir. Thank you.